The following program is underwritten in part by World's Best Cat Litter. You love your cat, but you don't love the litter box mess. Switch to World's Best Cat Litter and get a cleaner litter box with less hassle and less litter. Find it at Target, Walmart, and in your local grocery and pet stores. That's the bird ringing the bell. Celebrating the connection <laughs> with our pets, this is Animal Radio, featuring your dream team, veterinarian Dr. Debbie White and groomer Joey Villani. And here are your hosts, Hal Abrams and Judy Francis. Grab your pets, bring them around the radio just like Joey has done. Joey has brought Gurney into the studio today. Why into the studio? It's a little strange, a little different. I don't think Gurney's you know, ever been in the studio. Yeah. No, I'll tell you what, because she's a little freaked out, I think, today. Being that um, I have three Karen Terry's that are trying to attack her, but for good reason, I have to tell you. I haven't worked on in the house, so they're confined to a smaller space, and I think they're just all getting on each other's nerves. But she thinks she's a little bit tougher than she really is, so she's deciding to, to her brothers that she's going to attack them, which she doesn't normally do, and she's oh. jumping on their backs, and they're fighting back. So. Okay. Okay, yeah, I understand. She's taking she's, a little bit of a beating. She's dive-bombing them. Yes. She's dive-bombing them. So, she's not winning, though. <laughs> we have uh, Gurney in the studio. We have Gordy. We have Ladybug, the studio stunt dog. Uh, that's why you should bring your animals around. They, they enjoy the show, too, whether or not you know it. Toll-free, 1-866-405-8405 to talk to Dr. Debbie or Joey Villani right now. Bottom of the hour, we're going to do a quick check of the news. What are you working on for this hour, Miss Brooks? Well, they have um, just completed a study on how we talk to our dogs and especially aiming at that part of when we do baby talk to our dogs. <laughs> Good boy! <laughs> uh, so we'll tell you what they found out. I do that all the time. I, mean, I we all do, do that. too. I can't help it. Well, you know they're looking at us going, stop talking like that, silly. Why are you talking like that? I think she likes it. You she, think she likes she it? She wags her tail and comes running to me and puts her head down for a good scratch, and I think she likes it. Okay, more on that in just a few minutes. Also, Dr. Marty Becker, he's back on the show today, and he's going to be talking about how to pet your dog or cat properly, because you could be petting them wrong. Uh oh! Really? You what? Yeah. How do you pet? How do you pet him wrong? I imagine you go against well, the grain. I guess Marty will tell us. <laughs> yes. Doctor Beck is good. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm guessing it's not so much in the mannerism of the way you pet him, but how to maybe approach a stray dog to pet them. Ah. You know, you. Need oh, okay, to, that makes sense. I, I don't know. I could be wrong, but that's what I'm thinking. Okay, well, well, I've been bitten that way as a child. By, yeah. You know. Approaching them wrong. So okay, yep. okay. Well, Doctor Marty Becker will be with us in just a few minutes. Joey, what are you working on for the show today? You know what? Uh, we're going to talk about the importance of when your dog has a skin condition, how regular grooming can actually help with the, um, along with the meds that they're on, the shampoos, conditioners, and that kind of stuff. That's a good topic because the biggest reason people visit the vets is because of skin allergies, skin yeah, conditions. Yeah. Are we ready to go to the phones now? Let's do it. We have Lynn on the phone. Hi, Lynn. Hi. Where are you calling from today? Well, I'm in Arkansas right now. I'm a truck driver. Well, welcome to the show. I have Dr. Debbie right here to answer your questions. Okay, thank you. Hi. Uh, What I was wanting to know is, can I feed my cat raw meat and fish as opposed to any of the canned stuff so that it's pure? And would I have to add vitamins and taurine to it if I did? Well, I'd have to say that, you know, we know that kitties are obligate carnivores, so they need meat. Um, I am not a fan of feeding raw meat and fish in a substitution for a good quality balanced commercial cat food for a couple reasons. And you mentioned one thing, taurine, which is an important amino acid that if we do feed 
a raw meat, raw fish-based diet, we're going to very likely run into multiple deficiencies, including a taurine deficiency, which is so important for cats. They have a four-time greater need for this amino acid than dogs do. So it's very easy for them, if we don't meet their needs with diet, that they can have a problem reading, leading into all sorts of heart problems and eye problems. So, um, no, I don't think that feeding just a supplement is going to make up for that. Um, there's also going to be other um, amino acids, um, nutrients. Um, there's even kitties that will have a thiamine deficiency, which is a B vitamin. Um, and that can actually result because feeding raw fish actually can have a uh, enzyme that breaks down the ability of the body to absorb B vitamins. So that can also cause a whole round of other types of um, problems. So um, my bottom suggestion is I, I really wouldn't recommend going there. Um, if the base of the diet is a good quality cat diet, then I think you're better off to do that. And, uh, you know, I know oodles of people that would say, oh, I fed my cat tuna here and there. Um, you know, but you just got to be very careful. There's, um, you know, a higher uh, risk of bacterial related um, infections, these nutritional deficiencies. Um, and I just don't know that I would really want to gamble with that. Plus traveling, my gosh, isn't it easier just to <laughs> make a commercial diet in your situation? Well, um, I, you have ways to cook on the truck. And uh, I was just, it seems like has kind of a problem with some of the canned cat foods and she'll eat them and before she can even walk away from the dish she's already thrown it up and I figure that it might be an allergy or something something in it that she can't tolerate you know she's eight years old and um, Mm -hmm. I mean I fix food for myself so I can fix it for her as well Yeah, yeah. And, you know, there are some kitties that cannot tolerate canned food. Um, I see a lot of them sometimes start off where we just think it's just the canned food they can't tolerate. And then with time, we go on to discover they may actually have more established intestinal disease, such as inflammatory bowel disease. So I think sometimes that's kind of the early start that we make those notices. And then later on, we discover they really do have more of a a digestive problem. So um, in those lines, then I'll actually look at using hypoallergenic diets for those kitties that are the frequent vomiters um, that just don't tolerate certain changes in their diet. So wow. that, that might be one uh, one avenue we can go with for your baby. Okay. Well, thank you very much. Thanks for listening, Lynn. Let us right. know if that uh, works for you. Okay, I will. Thank you. need a follow-up. Of course, we do those free of charge. 1-866-405-8405. Some other shows, they'll charge you $5, $6 for a second call. <laughs> they, they don't really. but We don't. I believe we have Sandy on line one. Hi, Sandy. Hello. How are you doing today? I'm fine, thanks. Uh, I'm I'm the grandmother of this puppy, and I have to dog sit for two weeks, so I need some help. Okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> we have a, a two-and-a-half-year-old lab mix. I think he's lab and perhaps some pit. He looks an awful lot just like a lab. Uh, was, a, was a pound puppy. Uh, Great, wonderful dog, but he has this habit of running outside and running to a particular tree in the backyard and eating all the bark off of it as high as he can reach. Ooh. And it is very much, I, I, we think, an attention-getting behavior, but okay. it's, it's just immediate. And they've just purchased a new home, and he's already got one tree in the backyard destroyed, and then in a rental house where they were before. He did the very same thing. So he okay. just takes the biggest tree, and he runs to it, and he reaches up and just starts gnawing on the tree. 
That is crazy. I can I can just kind of picture one of my dear Labradors doing that same thing. Uh, well, have you got any suggestions? Yeah, I sure do. And they're not going to be easy fixes. That's the thing I'll, I'll start with is that it certainly very well could be that this is an attention-seeking behavior, especially if, you know, when you notice it, the arms go up and you go, Hey, what are you doing? Stop it! That because does that, happen, and he wants to make sure you've seen him do it because he'll turn around and look and make sure somebody's looking. Oh, sure. It's a game then. That's That can be at least part of his trigger for that. And that's hard because we don't want him to do that we would the instinct is to correct them when they do this um but the real the root of the problem is is that we got to get back to the square one one is we have to decrease his access to this tree or to any favored tree that he might do this to and the other thing is we've got to get his activity level up. We've got to get him tired. We've got to get him mentally stimulated. Dogs who do this type of behavior, whether it's chewing a tree or chewing your baseboards, your drywall, they are bored. And as much as we would like to think that we are the end and the be-all of their world, they can do so much more. And that may be things like sporting events, get them out running, get on a bicycle, have them follow along with you. We've got to get this guy tired. Um, okay. A sleepy or tired dog will be less apt to be destructive and to have these kind of behaviors. So that's definitely one of the biggest things. Okay. Decreasing the opportunity is going to be a couple different ways that we can do that. If he's going outdoors to do his business, we can do that by, instead of letting him have free reign, take him out on leash. Take him out and actually supervise his activities outside. If he's left to his own devices, that's our mistake. That's not his mistake. So then we have to take back that access and control. Now, if that's not possible all the time, there may be ways to do fencing or even invisible fencing, which can be very helpful, especially people in rural areas where it's very hard to kind of keep a dog from accessing certain areas. And many dogs will respond very well to that. Okay. Um, backyard is fencing, but it's not very big. So you're, okay. you're thinking maybe putting putting a fencing around the tree or something just so he can't get at it? That's one thing. The other would be to, the, to use invisible, invisible fencing, which is basically it's a it's a whole kind of apparatus you can have installed where if there's an area, a zone in the yard where you don't want a dog to go. And sometimes we use this for fence jumpers. So you put the invisible fence line up in front of the fence or the wall so that the dog doesn't get clear and close to that. And then when they get close, they get an audio stimulation. If they don't, then they can get a zap. Um, and it's not for every situation, but for dogs that we just have no other way to control their access, um, then we can move to this. But my first choice is always just to go with the human control. Um, it's not it's not a replacement for us being lazy. Um, we should really take control of the dog first and foremost and control their comings and goings. And then the other thing is that we want to definitely give a lot of opportunity for the oral outlet, for that chewing need. And uh, can't do it by itself, but add that into this whole mix of things. So we offer food that he has to kind of work for. Those little busy cubes where you can hide dog food in them or treats and make him work for his food so that he's not working to chew on some other inanimate object. Um, many people will also kind of put the food in the yard and separate the feeding several times a day and kind of let them kind of work for their food in that way. So uh, awesome. you got a lot of work here. That's the challenge with it. But, but you can definitely get to the bottom of this. The, the really big point is that there's no easy way out. 
And it's got to be a concerted effort with everyone in the house to make sure we're supervising this young buck. <laughs> we're all with you, Sandy. Thank you for your call today at one 405 8405 You're listening to Animal Radio. Call the Dream Team now at one 405 8405 People say less is more. At Red Barn, we think less is better. It's what you won't find that sets our natural premium pet food apart. No byproducts, no corn or soy, no fillers. Just the natural ingredients your pets need to live the healthy life they deserve. Look at the label. We want you to. Red Barn Naturals Pet Food. Simply the best. Find it in your local pet specialty store. Red Barn canned food for cats and dogs is grain and gluten-free. You're listening to Animal Radio. Call the Dream Team now at 1-866-405-8405. It's Animal Radio celebrating the connection with our pets. It is toll-free, by the way. It doesn't cost you a penny. 1-866-405-8405 to reach out to Dr. Debbie or to dog father Joey Volani. And, in fact, we'll go back to the phones in just a couple of seconds here. Don't forget, you can also ask your questions from the free Animal Radio app for iPhone and Android and BlackBerry. It's a free download. Download it now. It's a great app to have, especially if you want to be alerted about recalls. If there's a recall, a pet food recall, you'll get a notification immediately if you have the Animal Radio app. Also a great way to listen to uh, the show at your convenience and to uh, also browse our deep resources. So get it from your app store, or Google Play store, wherever you get your apps. It is free. Just look for the Animal Radio app. Uh, coming up in just a few minutes, Dr. Marty Becker is back. Becker is back with, is this right? How to, how to pet your dog or cat properly. Is That's that- correct. Okay. I didn't realize that you could do that wrong. I guess you could go the wrong direction you could uh against the grain yeah yeah who knows Lori? what are you working on over there in the newsroom well i have for you coming up a story that um, i might just nominate for uh this guy for mailman of the year because typically mailmen postal carriers mail carriers don't get along with dogs. Nope. I've had that experience several times but you know, i think it's understandable but what this guy has done for a dog the best, oh, really. I cannot wait to hear that yeah. story. Another great Good mail story. carrier story. Uh, Robert Semro, what do you have planned for this show? Oh, I've got a good one for everybody out there. This one will be the millions of reasons I am a pet parent, especially after we had a judge in Canada rule that a dog is just simply a dog and therefore property. I saw so that. I'm going to have some fun with that. Okay, let's go to the phones for your calls right now. Hi, Robert. How are you doing? I'm doing great. Thank you so much. How can we help you today? Well, I have a little problem I was uh, wanting uh, your advice on. Um, about five years ago, our next-door neighbor's cat had a litter of about uh, five kittens. And when the kittens were, oh, three, four months old, um, they suddenly moved, uh, leaving leaving the cats uh, to fend for themselves. Um, so uh, in the morning, I woke up with five hungry uh, kittens at my door, and of course, uh, being the sucker that I am, um, <laughs> I uh, I've been um, uh, feeding them for the last uh, five years. I just give them uh, uh, give them some dry and a little bit of wet cat food um, in the evening, and that's about the extent of my uh, care. But but certainly, I have been uh, feeding them every night. Um, now the problem is uh, we are going to be moving. 
so uh, I'm just sort of wondering what to do with the cats. I've sort of hinted around at some neighbors, um, and nobody's really interested in, in taking on that responsibility. So I didn't know if I should just let them fend for themselves. Should I catch them and take them to the pound, which I'd prefer not to do? And I just wanted your uh, advice on that. Okay, yeah. And I'm assuming these babies aren't spayed or neutered. Nobody's taken Oh no, they they um they were uh they were spayed and neutered before um uh before they left. Uh, oh, okay. So yeah, when you so say a litter, I was imagining kittens that were blossoming and growing and reproducing at mass quantities. That's not Oh what no, we're no. We were uh, quite quite lucky that uh, they did take the responsibility and do that uh before they left, but uh, this was okay. a sudden move. So yeah, and you know what, um, I know that there's cats that can live in feral colonies and they can have decent lives, but golly, I, I would say that as much as we might hate to have to introduce them into the shelter system, there is somebody who wants to take care of these kitties and we can find them. Um, so I'm really an advocate of getting them picked up, okay. taking them either to the shelter or through some of the different adoption um, agencies maybe in your area that will help to place feral cats or for mm-hmm. cats that are displaced, you know, because they're sounds like they're not really feral in the sense of, you know, they've been wild cats that grew up outside. They were probably pet cats that these folks left behind, I'm assuming. Well, they left them when they were uh, uh, kittens, and, um, you know, like I said, I have been feeding them, but, you know, they catch their fair share of birds and lizards and so forth. Um, but um, I guess uh, cats generally don't do well when just sort of turned out. Um, it would be better to take them to, the, uh, to some sort of uh, agency. I, I would definitely encourage you to get you know some kind of humane agency involved, and um, I guess myself, I I personally, I guess I would have a hard time leaving them behind, knowing that your other neighbors aren't too interested in helping. You know, will they fend for themselves? Yeah, but it's going to be a rough road, and you uh-huh. know certainly um, the potential for you know further disease or injury outside. Um, you know, I just. I am definitely an advocate of trying to get them the help that they need. And it's no different, you know, just if we have, you know, someone who's displaced from their home as far as trying to get them to an organization, a resource that we can use to help them. And it would be great if one of your neighbors did step up to the bat. But but otherwise, I I certainly would get involved and see what we can do for them. It's a tough thing to do because we moved into a house here and it came with a cat. And now I can't move. Because mm. it's too dependent upon <laughs> That's it the same ever problem, again. Right, exactly. yeah, we wish you the best of luck with that, Robert. Thanks for your call at one eight six six four zero five eight four zero five. Dogs or cats, horse or emu, animals are people too. Water beds were a big hit in the seventies, but lately they're a big hit with cows. Dairy farmer Kirk Christie says his cows give milk while resting on waterbeds and watching a flat-screen TV. He says the specially made cow waterbeds were a big hit with his cows from the beginning. They provide heat in the winter and cool them in the summer depending on the water he pipes in. Happy cows produce more milk and since the waterbeds, milk production has jumped up 20%. Christie installed the TV because he said the cows were so used to just hearing his voice that when visitors came by, they'd get scared. Now they get a chance to meet new people on TV and according to Christie, they like Oprah and Dr. Phil. I'm Britt Savage for Animal Radio. Animals are people too. Animal Radio. 
We can't tell you why canine caviar is the only alkaline-based dog food, but we can tell you alkaline is proven to minimize the risk of renal failure and pancreatitis, reduce scratching, cellular degeneration, and disease, keeping your furry friend youthful and healthy longer. And those are the reasons we can fit into this short commercial. But by visiting caninecaviar.com, you'll see exactly what we do to make a better food for your dog. Try the one and only alkaline dog food risk-free. Canine Caviar. This is an Animal Radio News Update brought to you by Fear Free. Fear Free takes the pet out of petrified and puts the treat into treatment. To learn more and find a certified Fear Free veterinary professional near you, visit fearfreepets.com. I'm Lori Brooks. Now, most of us, I'm sure, I'm guilty, and I know all of you are, we talk to our babies and pets the same way. Because for a lot of us, our babies are our pets, right? So maybe we should just limit our high-pitched, excited talk to puppies, because it turns out older dogs are not so impressed or as responsive to baby talk. (laughs) There's a new study out that shows baby talk, also known as dog-directed speech, when you are conversing with your dog in that way, gets a a huge response from puppies. But most older dogs really couldn't care less about what you're saying or trying to. This study had 30 female volunteers look at photographs of dogs while they were reading some pretty standard dog-directed phrases like, Goody, who'd a good boy? Goody, 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 who'd a good boy, honey? See, now he stops and looks, but you could imagine if you said that to a puppy or they said, hello, cutie. Now, they didn't use real dogs during this experiment so that they could minimize the the women who were speaking this going off script because if you were like me, you would be, you know, who the good boy, oh, you the good boy, head your baby. <laughs> you know what we mean. So the volunteers then also read these same doggy praise phrases to a human. And they found that the women used a higher-pitched sing-song baby talk tone when reading the passages to the dog photos. They actually made their voices 21% higher when they read to those puppy pictures. Now, when speaking the same phrases to the human, they spoke in their normal voice, probably because they felt kind of silly. But it was pretty much more or less what these scientists had expected. But... When the researchers played recordings of the women's dog-directed baby talk speech to 10 puppies and 10 adult dogs at a New York animal shelter, there was a a pretty big contrast as to what they saw. The puppies went wild when they heard it and then began barking and they ran towards the loudspeaker. They crouched down in a play bow as if they, you know, were ready to start a round of play when they put their front feet out and their butt up in the air and, you know, they're just ready to go. But then when researchers played the same exact phrases using the women's normal tone of voice, puppies weren't interested. The adult dogs, however, a different story. They didn't care at all about either of them. They did uh, take a quick glance at the speaker and then went back to whatever it is they were doing because they kind of know that voice comes from a human. Like, I might get a treat if somebody were saying that to me in person, right? (laughs) So that's how it works. You know what they're saying. At least the older dogs are looking at us and going, why are you talking to me like that? Right. You know? I'm not right. a baby. <laughs> but they are. They just don't know it. 
I, I love this story. You're going to get a kick out of this. Every morning for the last few years, Tashi, a black lab, would go outside and greet his mailman, whose name was Jeff Kramer. And this guy, Jeff, the mailman, a totally dog-loving, devoted postal worker. Well, now that Tashi is uh, 14 years old, however, you know, with old age comes some pretty stiff joints, and Tashi doesn't get around as well as he used to. So for Tashi to go up and down the front porch steps of his home, his parents had to actually start picking him up and carrying him down and up those steps, and Tashi weighs 70 pounds. Enter Jeff Kramer, the mail carrier slash carpenter. On his uh, most recent day off, Jeff popped over to Tashi's house and built a brand new ramp for the aging lab and his humans. It turns out that Jeff had had a senior dog in the past that he had made a ramp for at his home, and he thought Tashi would do well with one, too. Isn't that the cutest? That's a great story. Yeah. I need a mail carrier like Jeff Kramer. I, I need I mean, a mail were... carrier to build a ramp for me. I'm getting a little stiff going up and down. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Judy, you look good. Oh, thanks. <laughs> <laughs> really, you do. Uh, when Vice President-elect Mike Pence and his, well, he's not the Vice President-elect anymore, got used to saying that, when they moved into the Naval Observatory last week, they were accompanied by a new furry friend. Apparently, they have a rabbit with the coolest name. His name is Marlon Bundo. It's a takeoff on Marlon Brando, the actor, of course. Uh But Marlon the rabbit, very cute, a big rabbit, too, uh, accompanied the Pences to D.C. on Air Force Two, the vice president's plane, a few weeks ago. The Pences, by the way, also have two cats, Oreo and Pickle. And we're hoping that by now, Oreo and Pickle have gotten used to the leftover smells left behind by the Biden's German Shepherd champ, and they're now beginning to settle in for at least the next four years. Not looking around every corner for the German Shepherd to come, you know. <laughs> but, it, you know, it's it's not the White House, but it's the second best thing, right? It, it really is. A naval observatory? Yep. Wow, that's kind of like a downclassing, huh? <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's probably still a nice house, though, yeah. I bet. Is very nice. I had no idea. I guess I didn't think about where he lived. Yeah, it's a great area, too. And the whole family, all the animals included, have flown on Air Force Two now. Which is nothing like Air Force One. I'll tell you, between the Naval Observatory and Air Force I know, boy. Second class citizens. I'm Lori Brooks. Get more breaking animal news anytime at AnimalRadio.com. This has been an Animal Radio News Update brought to you by Fear Free. The veterinarian isn't typically thought of as your pet's favorite place to go. With Fear Free, that all changes. To learn more and find a certified Fear Free veterinary professional near you, visit fearfreepets.com. Who's a good newscaster? Who's a Who's good girl? News- Who's a good girl? You're a good nerd. You're a good girl. Hi, friends. This is Dr. Marty Becker, America's veterinarian. As you know, going to the vet can be a traumatic experience for your pet, but it doesn't have to be that way. In fact, vet visits can be something your pet looks forward to. Introducing Fear Free. When your veterinarian is Fear Free certified, you will be assured your pet's vet visit is more free of fear, anxiety, and stress than ever before. Fear Free takes the pet out of petrified, and it puts the treat into treatment. To find a certified Fear Free veterinarian near you, go to fearfreepets.com. Uh, let's go back to the phones. We have line five. We've given it no attention today. Uh, Jim, how are you doing? Yeah, I'm doing great. How about yourself? Very good. Where are you? Hey, terrific. Hey, I was, my question is, I've got a tabby kitty that's about 
six to seven years old, and we're having a little bit of trouble with uh, almost, you know, guests look when they do it, trying to cough up a hairball. Okay. It, what happens is there's no hairball there. We brought it to the vet on a regular visits and what have you, and it's the same type of symptoms, coughing up, coughing up. She'll come in from outside. She'll jump down from a chair. She'll get, when she's being chased by the other cat, for example, they're playing, she'll stop all of a sudden and start the, the cough. And we've, we've tried the, um, the gel to help release the, the cat ball, uh, the, the hairball. And they've mm-hmm. also done an x-ray and there's no major obstruction. So the vet says, well, you know, as long as the cat's healthy and it's been going on for about two and a half years. Uh, just monitor it and we'll take it from there. And I was just wondering, is there any other thing that you could suggest that's causing this? Let me get this clear. Now, how often does the coughing actually occur? Is it a daily thing, several times a day? Yeah, several times a day. And okay. it's, uh, it's somewhat intermittent. It's not every single day, but it could be first thing in the morning when she wakes up. And, but it's generally when she gets excited or, get, or, or there's activity, heavy activity. Oh, okay. All right. And let me ask you, how is your kitty's body style? Are we slender? Are we healthy weight or chubby? No, she's slender. She's about eight and maybe eight and a half, eight pounds and a half uh, ounces. And she's has not put on weight in the last three and a half years. Okay. All right. Well, that's good. Because the first thing is you were describing these signs of coughing, especially after like activity or moving around, you know, is I I tend to think of things like asthma in cats, which is actually very common. Um, And believe it or not, about 1% of the cat population is actually found to have feline asthma. And it actually is a disease where the airways constrict and very similar to the problem in people where you can't get air. And um, kitties that have asthma tend to be usually a little bit on the heavier side, and and that makes it harder for them with that condition. Um, And if the cough is just once in a blue moon, I probably wouldn't worry. But a couple times a day starts to get my my feelers up where I I start to get uh, untreated. I'd like to see something happen there. So I would certainly say that it might be worth looking into asthma further. And beyond an x-ray, you know, your veterinarian may want to do things like blood work. And also, I would screen for heartworm disease. And uh, it's not as common in cats, but we know that can affect the cardiovascular system. So coughing would be something that I would want to check for that condition. But if if it is something that that your vet says, yeah, you know, maybe this is asthma, um, there are some things we can do to treat that. Um, Believe it or not, inhaler therapy, there's all sorts of different types that we can use for kitties. Uh, medications like steroids, such as prednisone or injections of steroids, can help give them good quality time uh, over a period of time. And then there's even bronchodilators. So that's my first thought. And I don't know that the hairball remedy is probably going to help us a whole lot unless we establish yeah, it that this didn't do anything, right? Yeah. If it's coughing and we bring up a hairball, then that's different. But if it's coughing after exercise or movement, then I'm going to look at that lower airway system as potentially a problem there. And uh, and just asthma's you know, at the top of my list there. So that, I'd check into now, that a little bit more. Now, if they have asthma and there's no, if we don't treat her for that, is that harmful or can she Depends, go yeah. I mean, untreated asthma can lead to further uh, I don't want to say damage of the airways, but it puts more stress on those airways. Cats with asthma, if it's just a chronic cough, it may not seem like a lot, but for some cats, it can be life-threatening. They can go into a respiratory distress, just like a little kid that has an asthma condition and you have to rush to the ER. Cats can have that too. 
All dogs should eat a pH-balanced alkaline diet. An alkaline diet reduces health risks and can also reduce scratching, shedding, and hot spots. So does this mean you need to check your dog's pH balance? No, because canine caviar has created the first and only alkaline dog food that is pH-balanced. It also has the highest metabolized calories. What does this mean? Your dog needs to eat less. Get a healthier dog and save money with Canine Caviar products. Find them at your local pet supply store or online at caninecaviar.com. You're listening to Animal Radio. Call the Dream Team now at 1-866-405-8405. Hey, you should know this healthy serving of Animal Radio is brought to you by the grain-free Red Barn Naturals canned food for dogs and cats. Always made in the USA with natural, functional ingredients to support your pet's optimal health. You can learn more over at redbarninc.com. And thank you so much, Red Barn, for underwriting Animal Radio. Let's uh, head on over to the phones. I believe we have Elise on the phones. Hi, Elise. You're calling about a ferret. Is that correct? That is correct. Uh, We have a ferret about uh, two years now. Don't know how old he was when we got him. And uh, all of a sudden, he just looks like a bag of bones. Uh, He seems happy. He bounces around. He eats like uh, everything. But he's scrawny. Very skinny fella, huh? Well, I, Elise, I love ferrets. They're one of my favorite critters to, to see here at the office. So, um, I, I just adore them. They're a lot of fun, but they are challenging because they do have some weird things that come up. And, um, I know you said everything sounds like it's going along normal, but I'm going to kind of probe a little bit deeper here. You said you've had him two years. About now, what that. is he, what, what is he eating? What kind of food are you feeding? Usually the Marshall's ferret food. Okay, or any so quality try. ferret food from the uh, pet store. Okay, good. And as far as when he's running and playing, do you ever see any kind of problems with his mobility? Does he ever seem tired out or weak? I don't see him all the time. He uh, He's in my son's room 100%, but whenever I've seen him, he's just bouncing around, happy, just kidding. All right. Well, the challenging thing is if I could put my little hands on him right now, there's a couple things that I would be doing. One is in any ferret, but particularly in a younger ferret, if we see them losing weight, we want to feel around and we actually check for the possibility that they might have eaten something that could be causing a problem. And I've seen ferrets eat anything from erasers um, to plastic toys to, gosh, you name it. Um, they are very uh, attracted to some different types of soft, rubbery things. So in a younger ferret, that's losing weight, even if they're not even having outward signs, I'm going to look for some kind of foreign object. And in some cases, they can even develop hairballs to the size of an obstruction, and that can uh, affect their food absorption and uh, you know their ability to eat enough for what they, they need. Now, if I'm looking at an older ferret, there's going to be some other things that I would look at, and they are, um, unfortunately, very prone to some different types of aging diseases, some cancers. Um, some weight loss related issues, I would look at the problem with the pancreas that's called insulinoma. And this is something that I would, um, pretty easily check. I would, uh, you know, get him into my office. We would ask him to not eat for maybe four hours, which for a ferret is, you know, a long time because those guys are grazing constantly. Um, but we would check a blood sugar and that helps to see if we might have a possibility with an insulinoma, which causes low blood sugar readings. And that in ferrets can be something that can cause not only weight loss, but some other signs such as uh, muscle weakness or troubles with the back legs or even some diarrhea. 
Um, then there's some other types of older diseases, which, you know, not to scare you, but, you know, this is where a good thorough veterinary exam is really important because we also look for types of things like lymphoma, which is a type of a cancer that ferrets somehow just love to get. So those kind of things, I would be putting my fingers on them and feeling and looking. And we might even see about doing, like I said, the blood work or even an x-ray to kind of check those things out. Um, but a skinny ferret is not a healthy ferret, even if on the outside he's telling you that by his actions. So I'd definitely you know, get the little critter checked out and, and see what we can come up with. Okay, so bring him to the vet is what you're saying. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And then I would say, you know, be alert to those things as far as his appetite, um, making sure that when you feed him, he eats it. Um, watch his bowel movement so you can give a, you know, a kind of educated report as far as like in the last week, this is what he's been doing in his poops. Here's a fresh sample of the poop so the veterinarian can see that. And then, um, that, that may help kind of steer the conversation. And then, um, you know, just be prepared. You know, I'd, uh, read up a little bit about the insulinoma and the lymphoma because those are really big ferret issues that we do see in the older categories. And, uh, you know, be armed with information. That is the best thing I can tell you because ferrets, they are a lot of fun, but they do kind of have their little eccentricities when it comes to health things. Um, but I got to say, they are the, the best to, to watch. Uh, you probably enjoy watching the antics, uh, I imagine. They're a riot. They're hysterical. But, uh, you know, <laughs> I love all the animals. We have dogs, we have a cat, we have the ferret. You know, we're just, uh, you know, the zoo of Pennsylvania. <laughs> <laughs> Well, that's what we love, people who love animals. So thank you so much for your call, Elise. Give us a call here at Animal Radio, 1-866-405-8405. Which one are we going to? Oh, hey, Ronald, how are you doing? Okay, how are you doing today? Doing good. Where are you? Uh, Montgomery, Pennsylvania. Montgomery, Pennsylvania, checking in. I have Dr. Debbie here. How can we help you? Hi. Hi. I have a young government pincher, and I'm an over-the-road truck driver. But while my wife was sick one week, he went with me. And now he thinks he wants to go every week, but I was wondering, being Dobermans have a history of hip problems, mm-hmm. if putting him in the truck, even, you know, with walking him, you know, regularly through the day, if it would cause any problems with that. Oh, if, whether or not the traveling in the truck would um, hasten or make a bigger problem with potential hip dysplasia. That's your question? Yes. No, I, I don't believe that would. And um, in this situation, the only thing that I'd say sitting in the truck might have a potential for would be l- less exercise. So we wouldn't want his weight to get too heavy. So it would be more that risk. But no, um, hip dysplasia, what you know, we would worry about sometimes is if a pet is in um, very active uh, athletic activities and if they have some tendencies towards hip dysplasia, then we might have some more issues there. Um, but no, I mean, sitting in the truck, hanging out with his dad, I think that's a great plan and you know just to combat any kind of boredom or problems with his exercise you know if he's in truck you want to just make sure you give him that ample opportunity for physical exercise you know a little bit of uh, mental stimulation so you know maybe some retrieving some toy uh, play behaviors when you you make your stops all of that will kind of keep him uh, physically fit and uh, i don't see any problems with uh, riding along with your side if he likes it then hey Thank you for your call today. 1-866-405-8405. I am the family dog, and it's that time of year again. The one where pet parents start looking for Fido-friendly hotels and destinations where Fido is welcome. Make no bones about it. Pets are part of the family, and we like to sniff out new places too. And we hate to be turned away, especially when we're on our best behavior. So we won't be left out in the cold. 
Be sure to pick up a copy of Fido Friendly Magazine to find the best hotels and destinations where Fido is always welcome. Go online to FidoFriendly.com and subscribe today. Celebrating the connection with our pets, this is Animal Radio, featuring your dream team, veterinarian Dr. Debbie White and groomer Joey Villani. And here are your hosts, Hal Abrams and Judy Francis. Okay, here is the number. You should write this puppy down, okay? one 405 8405 Anytime you want to reach out to us. And if you're brand new, by the way, if you're listening to one of our brand new affiliates, let me uh, introduce you to my left, Dr. Debbie, answering your vet medical questions. To my right, Joey Volani, the dog father. Uh, Judy screening your calls in the newsroom along with Gordy is <laughs> Lori. Lori, hey, our news Sunday over my left shoulder. You probably can't see her because she's... Not from here, not from she's, this angle, but we all, we actually. She's banging into everything with her cone. She has a cone on her head. Uh, what's the cone for? Why does she have no, a cone what's today? She, not doing? she got a, she's got a skin infection and she just wants to itch and scratch and lick and everything. So mm. the cone of shame is what we talk about. Then. I know. I feel <laughs> like such a bad mommy. Oh, well, you're actually a great mommy because you do that. In fact, uh, what are you working on this hour? Well, it turns out that um, you can teach an old cat new technology. Really? You know, you can't teach an old dog new tricks. <laughs> Cats will take to new technology. We'll tell you how. Technology. Mm, okay. Technology. I'm yeah, curious. I mean, yeah. I mean, if you've got the device, you can pretty much get the the games for free, and we'll show. We'll we'll tell you what to do. Okay, that's on the way in just a few minutes. Uh, let's go to line three. Robert. Hey, Robert. How are you doing? Doing well. How have you been? Good. Where are you calling today from? Los today? Angeles. The Los Angeles area. So uh, how can we help you? I have a tenant that moved out with her cat, luckily. Uh-huh. And they feed and whatever all over the house. So oh, I had to throw out the carpet. And it, I painted the uh, subfloor, which is plywood, a couple of times trying to mask it. And I still have that smell. Mm-hmm. Oh gosh, Robert, I feel bad for you. I mean, I, I appreciate people like you that rent to people with animals, and it just it, it is upsetting when um, something like this this happens. It gives all the other pet owners, you know, a bad name. Oh, yeah. there. So, well, obviously, my expertise is with the animals and not so much with construction materials. But I will tell you a couple things that I have learned over the years with when it comes to these ingrained urine odors that kind of soak down through the carpet, through the carpet pad, and into the the floor and you know, uh, there there are honestly times when the subflooring has to be replaced yeah. and ripped out. And, yeah. and that's something that I would probably suggest to first have a um, professional cleaner construction group. So, you know, kind of like when people have disasters and they have floods or, you know, mass yeah. crime scenes, things like that. That's the kind of uh, service that I would have out to evaluate it. Um, sometimes they can do um, uh, a deep cleaning and then start well, fresh Carpet's already gone. I, I had to throw that out. Understand, understand. But as far as in evaluating the lower structures, because sometimes you will have to replace the subflooring. That it just it can be really difficult. In some cases, um, I've had clients where we've gotten down to the subflooring, we've treated it with a kind of like an enzyme uh, odor neutralizer, um, like Nature's Miracle, which I use all the time. Um, there's also one called uh, Zero Odor. And you treat that, and then you um, seal. And, and I've had the best luck with, um, it's that one that's called Kills with a Z at the end. 
um, as far as sealing um, subflooring and just trying to keep it impermeable to odors in the future. So I don't know if it's a matter of products that you need to look at as far as difference or, you know, if you really do need to see if the subflooring is kind of beyond help and, and that has to be replaced because that, that cat odor, cat urine odor, it is tenacious. <laughs> oh, yes. Yeah. I heard somewhere, and I'm just now trying it as of this weekend, uh, vinegar and baking soda. Sure. I mean, and I think that that's definitely kind of a, a nice kind of a natural remedy. I don't know when you've got it in the deeper structures of the wood. I don't know if that's going to necessarily do the trick. I, I would use that more as a surface for, you know, sure. uh, either tile or, you know, more superficial things that you're going to be working with. But. Mm. Yeah, and of course I know nothing about it either, except that. <laughs> well, it's not. I'm not in construction or anything, but I know from experience and from other friends who have dealt with this. I mean, really, they had to rip the floor out. It's it's unfortunate that there's not any kind of solution that is easy. But if those cats have been living there for years or a long time, and they've been peeing for a long time, it's deep in the in the wood. And, yes, and it, yeah. it is too bad because it makes other renters think or other landlords think twice about renting to people with cats unfortunately absolutely absolutely which so, we could yeah, be more I, helpful yeah okay. and, and, and you know robert i've had some some folks where they actually you know they tear out the subflooring and they have to get the pad treated so that's where i think you need to get someone in construction um to really make those evaluations for you so you can do the best long-term change that you need there very good Thank- i will look into those items Thank you for your call. Wish we could be more helpful for that. Uh, That's but it's a, it's a tough, tough problem to deal with. Yep. The number is toll-free, 1-866-405-8405 to reach out to any one of the Dream Team. And you can also ask your questions directly from the Animal Radio app for iPhone and Android. It's a free download. Uh, hey, Cody, welcome to the show. Hi, how are you all doing? Doing good. Great. What's going on? Well, I have uh, a six-month-old mutt, and she is eating... My uh, my other dog's poop, and I'm wondering what I can do. We read that it was like a, a lack of nutrition or something, so we read we could give her liver, and we started feeding her liver and all that, but that's not working either. Ew, I hate liver, man. Ugh. Feel bad for your dog. <laughs> <laughs> now, this is a puppy, a six-month-old puppy? Yes, ma'am. All right. It's, it's not a nutritional problem. Dogs do this because they like it. We don't want to face the reality. They find it fun, and it's an enjoyable thing. And what's even more fun is they love to do it because we respond so negatively to it, and we chase them around trying to pull the little pieces out of their mouth, um, and they, there's a kind of a game involved with it. Now, that being said, there are dogs that um, kind of pick up this habit when they're young and may continue doing it throughout their whole lifetime lifetime. Um, and, and then for those, I might be looking at some other health issues that are going on. But it's a natural thing. Puppies do this. They pick up poop just kind of like kids explore their environment. The trick is, the number one thing is we don't want to try to make a big deal about this. Um, so when I deal with this problem, there's twofold that I'll do. One is I talk about training. And two, I talk about deterrence and avoidance. So training is really where you train yourself to not respond badly to this. So if you catch your dog doing this, we want to find an alternative for the pup to do. So instead of saying, hey, drop it, drop it, drop it, drop it, we're going to say, I got a squeaky toy. Look at this great squeaky toy. And you go running in the other direction, squeaking that thing as loud as you can, dancing around like a fool. That is going to be more fun than that little pile of poop. 
and that's going to draw the, your pet's interest towards that. Um, and so if you, if your dog fails to drop the poop and brings it along, hey, you've made some steps. At least you've got the dog's attention and you're getting the right response. Um, the second part of that is avoidance and a deterrence. So if we have a dog that we're taking outside and we have no control over where they're going and they're going potty as the, at will, we really have no control over saying, hey, stop that, come here. So you need to take your pet out on a leash to the potty area and supervise that activity. Praise them up and down when they do their goods and when they walk by that pile of poop and don't try to pick that up. Um, and then the deterrence things. There's tons of different products out there that you can feed to dogs to make their poop taste uh, bad. If, if you believe it, <laughs> you, you have to do that. Um, <laughs> but there's oodles of different products out there. And, um, you know, if it's a matter of your other dog's poops that uh, are being ingested, then you can feed these products to your pet. And with repeated exposure, it helps to be a negative deterrent. And, and I've had people that they try all sorts of different things, you know, Tabasco, um, the poop, and all that stuff. And, and whatever works for you to deter them, that's great. I'm, I'm a fan of that. But the biggest thing is to not allow them to have that exposure in the first place. And then if you do see it happening, to really redirect the behavior to something else that is more favorable and more fun than the, the little squishy poops there. Hope that helps you out. I appreciate your call, Cody. 1-866-405-8405 to connect with any one of the Dream Team right now. Hey, Glenn. Hi, how you doing? Good. Where are you calling from? Uh, From Southern Oregon. Southern Oregon. Are you driving through or you live there? No, I live there. It's a beautiful place, isn't it? It is. It is. I like it here. So what's going on with your animals? I got Dr. Debbie right here. Hi there. Um, Hi, how you doing, Dr. Debbie? Uh, I'm doing great. This is the first time I've heard your radio show. And I think oh, I'll okay. listen to it now. So, um, wow, great. Right now we have an eight-year-old Vizsla, um, male. And the strange thing is he will not eat out of his food bowl, dry food. He, okay. he has to tip the bowl over and he'll eat it off the floor. Or if you take a handful out and put it on the floor, he'll eat it on the floor. We've changed bowls like four or five times. I'm just wondering why, why he does that. Is that just some idiosyncrasy that he has? Yeah, it could just be an idiosyncrasy because some dogs have this where, you know, they'll either paw the little kibbles out and put them on the ground or pick them up with their mouth and set them to the side and then ingest them. Um, the first thing I always do is I look at the, the feeding arrangement and I'll start with that. So if they're in a round bowl with high sides, I'll go to actually like a platter. Um, mm-hmm. different styles of bowls, uh, ceramic versus stainless steel. I've had dogs that don't like their reflection in stainless steel. Um, and then also just changing the site that you're feeding. So not just playing with the bowls, but going from, you know, say a carpeted area to a tiled area, uh, different parts of the house. And if none of that changes and he still does this behavior, then I just kind of say, yeah, he's got a little quirk. So uh, you know, he, he likes to serve himself, if you will. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, thank you very much. I appreciate it. Thank you for the call. Take care. All right. one 405 to connect with any one of the Dream Team right now. Dogs or cats, horse or emu, animals are people too. Police in Cleveland have a new weapon on the war on drugs. And she only weighs eight pounds. Midge, a Chihuahua Rat Terrier mix, is Cleveland's newest canine officer. Canine dogs are usually larger breeds, but Midge doesn't let that hold her back. She just passed her state-certified drug training test with high marks in finding marijuana. Her small size was actually an asset. 
She has a special talent for sniffing it out, using her tiny nose to get into small spaces. Her talents have landed her on numerous TV shows, including CNN, MSNBC, and the Rachel Ray Cooking Show. Where that talented nose of hers probably got a real workout. I'm Brit Savage for Animal Radio. Animals are people too. Animal Radio. The Movie Man six-second DVD review starts now. It's trying to be Gone Girl on the train, and it doesn't completely derail, so I'm in, but just the caboose. Just because you don't have time to read a book doesn't mean you can't enjoy stories about artists and groups that you love. To discover a whole new world of audiobooks and hear the stories that made the music, visit HappylandAudio.com. That's HappylandAudio.com. You're listening to Animal Radio. Call the Dream Team now at 1-866-405-8405. We hope wherever you work, you're able to take your pets to work with you. And if you can't, go get a new job. Because <laughs> we love bringing our animals into the studio. We have Gurney in the studio today. Uh, usually not in the studio. We have Gordy. You can hear Gordy. We have Sunday. That's Lucy. That's, yeah, Lucy. that's Lucy. We have mm-hmm. uh, Ladybug, the studio stunt dog. <laughs> and Lucy. How many times do we have to say it? Uh, we're going to go to the phones for your calls, toll-free at 1-866-405-8405. In a few minutes, Dr. Marty Becker will be joining us. Apparently, you've been petting your dogs and cats wrong. I hate to break the news to you. Who no, knew it? My I, gosh. I huh. figured all these years I'd been doing it right. No one had been complaining, but uh, Dr. Marty Becker will tell us how to pet our dogs and cats properly. Yeah, and I think some of this in the veterinary world, we may figure out after we've been bitten. Once or twice. <laughs> it's like, oh, that was a bad idea. Let's try something else. Now, hopefully we'll find out why. Now, you've been practicing for a long time. How many times have you been bitten? Oh, you know, I, my reflexes right now are still pretty good. I've been bitten a couple <laughs> times badly. Um, most of them are actually cat bites. Those are the, the worst ones because yeah. they're fast, they're small, and they have the higher potential for infection with just small wounds. I commend you for the job that you do. I could not do it. I love animals, and I wanted to be a veterinarian when I was a little kid. I think we all kind of grew oh, yeah, up thinking we wanted to be a veterinarian. Yeah, it does. But then when you when you see that there's actually blood involved, and. <laughs> well, I like to tell people, you know, I just sometimes my job is frustrating. I, I love it. It's always, you know, a good puzzle. But I would just want to go into my physician's office and just sit there and just wait <laughs> for her just to hit the spot that hurts. And then I would try to bite her, kick her, or slap her when she, you know, got yeah. the, And I think the people that work in the human field might appreciate a little bit more what we do have to deal with in the trenches here. Absolutely. If you want to talk to Dr. Debbie right now, if you have a question, about your animals or need a second opinion or if you want to talk to Joey Volani about the grooming of your animals give us a call now toll free 1-866-405-8405 in just a few minutes we're going to check the news with Miss Lori Brooks in the Animal Radio Newsroom what are you working on for this hour with uh, Gordy and uh, Lucy and Sunday yeah everybody's in here today Um, just found a study that uh, professes to have the secret to having a cat and a dog that get along. I rarely see that. I do every once in a while I see it, but Mm -hmm. it happens. Or you'll see the videos on Facebook. But there's a couple Mm -hmm. of things that, you know, you can do to ensure, well, almost as much as you can ensure anything with a cat, uh, (laughs) that they might get along really well. Okay, we'll find out at the bottom of the hour what that is. Let's go to the phones for your calls. And Steve, welcome to the show. If you can hear me, one quick question. How do you okay. feel about giving your pets oatmeal? oatmeal? My girlfriend every other day has been putting that in with her food. 
Okay. We trying to make the dogs poop or lower their cholesterol, or what's the reason we're adding that in? Um, helping Mr. Peanut out. He's got the irritable bowels, and it really seems to help out with his pooty uh, poo. Okay. You know, I, I don't see a problem with it. I mean, oatmeal is a, a nice carbohydrate, but I just would be cautious as far as watching the overall calories. Um, and, and it just gets a little touchy when we start adding things into dogs' diets. You know, sometimes we like to think we can kind of master uh, dog nutrition by just kind of doctoring up the dog, dog foods. And I'm just kind of a, a little cautious with the tendency that a lot of people have where we like to take the spoon from the human table and put it in our dog's bowl. So in general, I'm not a fan of it, but if you did a little bit of oatmeal, I can't say it would be a problem. Hello, everyone. It's Robert Semro, your Pet World Insider, here with this week's Animal Radio List, A Million Reasons I'm a Pet Parent. Many of us have been engaging in a familiar discussion in the pet world since a Canadian judge ruled that a dog is a dog and shall legally, at least in Canada, only be considered property. In fairness, the judge had some great points. So, does this judge's ruling end the discussion? Maybe in Canada, but we've all got neighbors we ignore, and this topic continues to rage on. This is a ridiculous argument over how someone views themselves. Pet parent, pet guardian, pet owner, pet friend... Does it really matter? I could go on for days about why I'm a proud pet parent, but this is a short segment. The definition of a parent is to protect or to guardian with love and discipline. So why all the fuss about them being called property or possessions? Let me now count the ways till Hal cuts off my microphone. Possessions don't have heartbeats. They don't have souls. Don't need daily care. Don't have minds. Don't laugh. Don't smile. Don't snuggle. Don't eat. They don't drink water. Don't care for humans. Don't give humans freedom from physical and mental challenges. Don't visit hospitals. They don't put others before themselves. And they don't care if you're happy or sad or that they can make you smile or warm your heart. Property is easily replaceable. I will not put my life at risk for my property, but I will gladly do so for my family. I will stop what I'm doing for the sake of my pets, but not my possessions. I care about my pet's physical, emotional, and behavioral health. I'm never alone with my pets around and I can find joy in anything involving my pets, just like my children. I receive friendship, companionship, and inspiration from my pets, but not from my possessions. We provide for, teach, and give them medical care, and they teach and care for us as well. Property exists while pets thrive. I'm a pet parent because I'm willing to treat and care for my animal friends as I would any other member of my family, and no, not at the expense of my human family members. What matters is not that I call myself a proud pet parent, but that I care for amazing beings and value them more than possessions. If you consider yourself something else, that's fine too. The real issue is that we live up to the needs that the pets in our lives deserve. Speaking of that, our pets deserve to have a plan in place. So if our lives change due to medical, work, or personal issues, they're not left in limbo or their existence left for a judge to decide. Put me down as a very proud and blessed pet parent. My life has been changed more by my pets than it ever could be by a possession. Now that I think about it, Your Honor, you may be right. My pets adopted me and my family. I don't own them, but I'm very blessed to acknowledge that they own me. Let us know if you're a pet parent on our Animal Radio Facebook page. Movie Man's six-second review starts now. One, 
is like a Thanksgiving luau. There's some to eat for everyone, and it's enormously entertaining. Bummit! Just because you don't have time to read a book doesn't mean you can't enjoy stories about artists and groups that you love. To discover a whole new world of audiobooks and hear the stories that made the music, visit HappylandAudio.com. That's HappylandAudio.com. Hi, this is Brandon McMillan on Animal Radio, and be sure to adopt and not shop. This is an Animal Radio News Update brought to you by Fear Free. Fear Free takes the pet out of petrified and puts the treat into treatment. To learn more and find a certified Fear Free veterinary professional near you, visit FearFreePets.com. I'm Lori Brooks. It uh, turns out that you can teach an old cat new technology. To paraphrase an old saying, felines being cared for at the Regina Humane Society up in Saskatchewan, Canada, get to play interactive games on iPads. <laughs> now, they're usually games that would be fun for a cat, and they are, because they feature moving fish and mice or insects that the cats try to catch with their paws. But, of course, you know, cats love to hunt and stalk things, and what these programs do is twofold. They give the shelter cats the opportunity to hunt and stalk on iPads. And well, the shelter started experimenting with the cat-oriented iPad games, which they just downloaded from iTunes only last fall. The cats do have other toys to play with, but the iPads are just one method they use to keep them happy and calm. Because, you know, it's got to be not fun for a cat in a shelter. Beyond benefiting the shelter cats, those tablets are also a great way to get younger human volunteers engaged in playing with the cats. You know, like kids. Pretty clever, huh? Uh-huh. The human in charge of this iPad program at the shelter says the most surprising thing that he found was how good the cats were at sharing the tablets and letting each other get their turn to play. They normally use the iPads in communal areas of the shelters where the there are multiple cats roaming freely. And the cats tend to gather around the iPad and kind of like take turns playing and chasing the images on the screens. And uh, many times they say that will lead to them playing with each other and increasing their socialization skills. Wow. <laughs> Pretty cool, huh? Yes. The things that, you know, because... I always laugh because a cat, you can give it like the cheapest toy, which is, you know, a, a wadded up ball of foil or, or paper. Or a box. And yeah. Yes, a bag. Mm-hmm. They're just so funny that way. Up in uh, Yakima, Washington, not funny, people. Authorities up there are giving a warning to unkind pet owners when they get reports of residents' animals being left outside in freezing temperatures. Since the beginning of last month, animal control up in Yakima has already responded to at least 60 animal welfare checks. The warning that they are now legally allowed to give to those pet owners is that they could face a misdemeanor charge of animal neglect if their pets are found in distress, and they could also be given a fine from 250 to $5,000, depending on the severity of the case. Hmm. Police say their intent, though, is not to criminalize or give people tickets or citations and not make money. But the important thing is the welfare of the animals. So they really try to work with the pet owner. All pets left outside that they check on must have food and unfrozen water, plus shelter with straw or something in it that will keep them warm enough in freezing conditions. Cats and dogs really can get along to the point where they will 
play hard together, love each other, drink water from the same bowl, and even cuddle on the couch. This, according to research, led from Tel Aviv University. They discovered the recipe for this success is to adopt the cat first and then introduce a dog while both of the pets are still pretty young, under a year. And in homes where the cats and dogs are mates, the research suggests that each one has basically managed to correctly read each other's body cues, and that's why they get along so well. Finally, in Spain, the Madrid Zoo has named its latest baby giant panda Chulina. Chulina means cutie. The name pays homage to Chulin, the first giant panda born at the zoo 34 years ago. But the reason it's such an unusual name for a baby giant panda is because they're usually given names in their native Chinese. Uh, cutie, a very cute name. Cutie is five months old now, and she is the fifth baby giant panda to be born at Madrid Zoo. Imagine if we could, we didn't have to stick to the Chinese names here. Because, you know, we have these baby giant pandas born at several zoos in our country. Uh-huh. Weren't, weren't the Chinese uh, PO'd at us because we were raising their uh, pandas to eat, like, crackers? crackers. <laughs> American junk food. The Chinese and this program have been very upset with us numerous times yes. <laughs> over the things we have done. So you're right. It's probably better that we just stick with Chinese names yeah. and make them happen. I'm thinking so. <laughs> I'm Lori Brooks. Get more breaking animal news anytime at AnimalRadio.com. This has been an Animal Radio News Update brought to you by Fear Free. The veterinarian isn't typically thought of as your pet's favorite place to go. With Fear Free, that all changes. To learn more and find a certified Fear Free veterinary professional near you, visit FearFreePets.com. Hi friends, this is Dr. Marty Becker, America's veterinarian. As you know, going to the vet can be a traumatic experience for your pet, but it doesn't have to be that way. In fact, vet visits can be something your pet looks forward to. Introducing Fear Free. When your veterinarian is Fear Free certified, you'll be assured your pet's vet visit is more free of fear, anxiety, and stress than ever before. Fear Free takes the pet out of petrified, and it puts the treat into treatment. To find a certified Fear Free veterinarian near you, go to fearfreepets.com. You're listening to Animal Radio. Call the Dream Team now at 1-866-405-8405. Hi, Bobby. How are you? Good. How are you? Good. Hi. Hi. Thank you for taking my call. Uh, I have a cat. She's three years old, and I rescued her, and uh, she's afraid of everything. Uh, she's My sister lives with me, and she does not leave my sister's side more than two feet. She's always with her. She has to go to the bathroom with her, but if anybody comes in the house, she runs and hides. And sometimes she even hides from me. Hmm, okay. So she's a true scaredy cat then, huh? <laughs> yes. Yes, <Okay>. she is. Oh. <laughs> and are there other kitties or other animals in the home? Yes, I have two more. Okay. One and that now. I had before I got her, and then the last one, uh, we rescued her about a year ago. Okay. And has she always been this way, or is that a dynamic that you noticed that changed when, say, the third cat was added to the home? No, she's always been that always way. Always been. Okay. And you say she's afraid of everything. You mean, is there, like, is it noises? Is it just people? Uh, what type of scenarios Noise, set her off? 
noises, people, anything will set her off. Okay, and what does she do then? Well, she goes and hides. Uh, we took in, uh, we have a little stand and we put like a curtain over it and she'll run under there, but she okay. won't come out so she doesn't hear anything. Okay. <laughs> what she can't see doesn't bother her, right? Kind of the ostrich technique of uh, dealing yeah. with things. Okay. Well, you know, kitty anxiety, there's a lot of other questions we could probably delve into, kind of getting into the kitty psyche here. Um, but some basic things, when we have a really fearful, anxious cat, we look at things in the environment that might set that off. Is it a matter that things that are new to her, sounds, is it the activities of any human in this home outside of her norm, those type of things we want to try to work with as much as possible, but yet empower her to cope with that. So it's a big technical way of saying we're going to help her out here. But some things I would recommend, number one would be I always like to make sure the kitty's in good health. Uh, so a good vet check and even just making sure that, you know, even some current lab work is in line um, just to make sure we're not dealing with any kind of health issue. Um, because and the reason I mentioned blood work is many times there's things we can try to help a kitty with an anxiety problem and one of the therapy steps might include drug therapy so that would be kind of on the first part of where I'd start off from there I like to use kitty pheromones which are the scent hormones um, that are not really a medicine but something you kind of plug into the wall or spray around the home and they help to have a calming effect on the kitty that's a very nice thing to try for kitties with anxiety. Um, I like to empower them in kind of what you've done. Cats love hiding places. So if we can give her her vertical uh, confidence, so basically kitty trees where she can get up higher and feel safe, where she can watch her environment and maybe not retreat to under a bed or in a closet, that's one step that we can help her cope with this. So perches, um, all those kind of kitty trees can be very useful for that. And we want to reward her when she's not being nervous or anxious. So in a cat, you know, it's a little bit challenging, but especially for your sister, when she's being calm, that's when we want to really pull out the treats, reward her. If she loves, loves brushing, reward her in that positive way. And all of those things aside, some cats are never super social. So if that's how she is and we're okay with where she's at and she seems happy otherwise, you may not need to do anything beyond what I've already mentioned. But for other kitties where it gets to that extreme, then we will look at drug therapy. And um, there's a lot of good products out there. It takes a little finding what works for an individual kitty, but um, whether it's just an anxiety problem or a urine marking, those type of issues, we can help the kitty cope with a little bit of happy drugs. And it takes a little time, but that might be another avenue that we can go with uh, with your kitty here to help her out. We do have the cat tree and we have her hiding space. So, and I take her to the vet every year. And they did mm-hmm. do blood work last year, and everything was fine. Yeah, and if if really you feel that her behavior is to the point where it's really affecting her happiness, then you know I would say pick up that phone and say, hey, you know, doc, um, you know, I know everything checked out good, the blood work was great, but she's just not thriving. Um, and ask them about um, potentially if if we need to look at drug therapy because it really is an underutilized um, tool for cats to help them through some of these problems. So. Good luck with that, and, and hope she, she gets her little tail wagon and uh, she can feel a little bit happier in her surroundings. You're listening to Animal Radio. Find us at AnimalRadio.com. Log on, learn more.
Remember when a small business needed a landline? Today, landlines are a thing of the past with Grasshopper, the entrepreneur's phone system. On the road, at the beach, or at home, Grasshopper helps you grow your business. Get all the features of a business phone system and the freedom of a cell phone with our iPhone and Android apps. Features include multiple extensions for your team, calls forwarded to your mobile phones, voicemails transcribed and emailed, and so much more. See how it works at grasshopper.com, the entrepreneur's phone system. You're listening to Animal Radio. If you missed any part of today's show, visit us at AnimalRadio.com or download the Animal Radio app for iPhone and Android. He's America's favorite veterinarian, and he is also the king of fear-free. Can I just say male favorite veterinarian? Because... I, I got a Dr. Debbie. I'm going to throw paper airplanes at him right now. Just so you You're my favorite female vet, veterinarian. Doc, how are you doing? Doing good, friends. Happy New Year to all of you. Dr. Marty Same Becker joining you. us. And I see on the board that we have uh, how to how to pet a dog and cat properly. And I got to tell you, I'm, I'm, I'm in my 50s now. He thinks I made it up. And I think that I know how to pet my dog or cat properly i apparently i might not be well uh, i'll give you an update on fear free first you okay. know thank thank you guys for all of your support well, uh, we love from it. the embryonic stages we we ended the year with seven thousand individuals registered for certification so those are veterinarians wow. and technicians awesome um, but here's the reason i'm telling that we're doing 12 symposia this year so we were in tampa recently 300 people in the room learning about how to reduce fear, anxiety, and stress and how to increase enrichment activities in pets. And one of the things we talked about was reteaching people how to pet a dog, how to approach a dog, how to approach a cat, how to pet a cat or not pet a cat. I always tell people I'm not gifted like Temple Grandin that I've always had this gift since a child and just now I get to be able to manifest my gift in this later part of life. You know, I'm somebody that was moved by a veterinary behaviorist into taking action to reduce fear, anxiety, and stress to look at emotional well-being. But there's 50 boarded behaviorists. There's animal handling experts. And it was it was one of those that told me three years ago, we were doing a demonstration and she goes, there's no other way to tell you this, but you're petting dogs wrong. <laughs> I'm like, I'm like, what? What did you say? I mean, that's just like, how do you pet a dog wrong when you petted a dog since you were a little kid? It seemed yeah. to work. But w- what I was doing, which most people do in a veterinary profession or things, is they approach a dog from the front because we love dogs. So you see a dog, oh, my God, Spark, oh, my God, what's your name? What kind of breed is it? And you, you look at it and you lean down over it and you start petting it on the head or the first thing you can reach. Well, first of all, dogs have great peripheral vision. They have really terrible vision above them. So you guys are probably in the studio right now, and I don't care if you're looking at each other, looking at the microphone, you can still see the ceiling above you because we can see above. When you approach a dog and go to pet it from above, they tend to snap because oh. they can't see. Oh. And places that you don't want to pet them, you don't want to pet them on the top of the head. You don't want to pet them down the dorsal midline. That's what I would always do. I just, yeah, you're a good boy. Oh, you, or I'd say, you bad, you bad, you know you bad. <laughs> and then pet them down the dorsal midline. 
when the places they like best are the side of the neck, the side of the chest, and the base of the tail. Okay, on the side of the neck or on the the where? side of the chest or the base of the tail. Okay, okay, and and, and more of a more of a scritch. Like it's almost for women. Think of getting your hair washed when you go to get uh, you know when you go get a color cut shampoo or something and how great that feels when it's kind of in the scalp you know that's what oh yeah (laughs) and and then for cats okay here's the thing i do with cats i knew the stomach was a bad idea you know but that's (laughs) i got i got that part but again on top of the head and the well i shouldn't say on top of the head on the neck and down the dorsal midline are not good either the base of the tail again is a great spot but the three best spots on a cat are the lips the chin and those hairless areas above the eyes uh, also the cheek but where you're not touching a whisker those four places and we teach we teach people in the in the veterinary community now don't go below the neck unless you're engaged. <laughs> okay, yeah, <laughs> yeah, just leave that alone. Okay, don't go to third base. My cat will actually come up and rub the side of their mouth against me. So I I figure that's an okay area. You said it was an okay area, just right on the side of the mouth. On the- yeah, they love they love that. They love the lips. They, and, and what they're doing. This is something else we've learned. Oh my gosh, we've done so much stuff wrong. In, in the name of sterility, this doesn't matter if it's Dr. Debbie or Dr. Marty, the way we always practiced was to clean the cat cage out completely. So move them from one spot to another cage, new litter box, new food bowl, new water bowl, new towel, new everything. That's wrong, too. Really? They, they love to establish their scent. And so you've, they've, they've established their scent in this little area, and now you strip it all off and put them in an area with no scent, which causes a, an immense amount of stress. So now what we do is we spot clean and use products that don't destroy the olfactory neurons. So there's actually these new hydrogen peroxide cleaners that are like killing machines, but it just breaks down into water and oxygen. We used to just send people home, you know, the, you're done treating the cat abscess and They'd stick it in a laundry hamper or a cardboard cat carrier and take it home and dump it out, and then it'd get attacked by the other cats. I mean, oh yeah, it, that's wrong too. Now we know how to to leave them in the carrier on opposite sides of a the door. Then you take a towel and you wipe all the cats down with the same towel. So now everybody feels a little different. Well, if people want to learn more about Fear Free, and I'm encouraging not only veterinarians that are listening that are practicing now to check it out, but also if you just have an animal or you are interested in finding a veterinarian that practices Fear Free or you want to get your veterinarian to find out more about Fear Free certification, where should they go? They should go to fearfreepets.com. This year we're going to start certifying a household. It's going to be called Fear Free Happy Home. Oh, wow. Dr. Marty Becker, I salute you. Thank you so much for joining us again today. Well, and I want to thank you, too. You guys have been great friends to pets, people in the profession for years. So thank you for the, the early energy and support you've given us. Thank you. Okay, we got to get on out of here. Why don't you go grab your pets right now? We're going to leash up everybody here in the studio and take them out for a walk because they're a little bit antsy, including me. I'm getting my leash on right now with my little beautiful collar. Who's a good dog? Who's a good boy? Who's, is Who's Hal, a good is, announcer? Is Hal a good boy? Don't forget, if you need your fix, check out AnimalRadio.pet or download the Animal Radio app. See you later. Bye-bye. Bye. See you next week. This is Animal Radio Network. Network.